Let's go. It's a Friday. Let's finish the week the right way. Finish through the line. Really, uh, really great, great content today. Really going to be a fun day, a fun Friday. I just wanted to throw out, just from a coaching perspective, did you watch the 15-year-old Russian skater? No, not even for a second. Okay. So if you didn't watch it, maybe you saw, but she was the one in the middle of this drug contract. Controversy. Yeah. She's not a drug addict. She didn't do, she took some drug. <laughs> so they made this big deal over this 15 year old who's trained, you know, religiously to get to the spot. She, they allow her to do it. And then she flubs, man. She just has the worst experience. And she comes to the sidelines and her coaches, her Russian coaches, eat her lunch. Yeah. In public. Yeah. And you know, I, I just, that's what's wrong with coaching, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, have empathy, understand that failure is part of how you get to where we're going. So, um, hello, AT. I think that, yeah, I, I think um, it's easier said than done. I know that I have, you know, I think we've all in, in leadership positions have made the mistake of allowing the emotion to control the reaction. Um but yeah, like you lose all credibility after that. And right. you lose you lose a really talented young girl. And like, how could you not understand that like this not not only is it the Olympics, but now it's twice as hard on her mentally because of all of the outside noise going on. And if she's not prepared to handle that and you're not helping her handle that throughout the process, that's what happens. So you allow the outside noise to affect the performance. I'm really glad you brought that up because the point of coaching is to help people get over the mountain, to hold them accountable and say, hey, listen, let's learn from this. How are we going to do it? You know, just the whole idea. It, it was well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, the the USA downhill skier, skier needed somebody help getting her down the hill yeah. and finishing a race instead of not finishing a race. Crazy. Um, I just, you know, I, I, it's, and it's a really hard line to walk as a coach, understanding that you have to hold people accountable and you have to push them out of their comfort zone, but understanding how to do that without losing that individual and doing it in a way that challenges them and then creates an intrinsic motivation for them to do better than they think they can. It's a hard thing to do. Sometimes that is a hard conversation. Sometimes that is a very direct conversation. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's softer. Sometimes it's more consoling. It's more empathetic. You have to be able to do both, especially if you're a leader of more than one person, because not everybody can get coached the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of tough love. You know, yeah. you can't all be sunshine and rainbows. You got to have there's some, reality. some reality check. But the reality, the timing of the reality check right after she flubbed on a national or an international right. stage, just uh, inexcusable in my, in my it's mind. It's the way I felt about Bruce Arians, by the way. 
I mean, this kind of got passed by, and there really wasn't much noise made about it. But Bruce Arians jumped off the sideline and punched a guy in the head. His own player punched yeah. him in the head. That's inexcusable to me. Inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Like, and the fact that there's not more made about that and there's not real consequences for it, that's why that business is the way that it is. If you were to do that in a meeting, everybody would be all over you. Correct. The HR would step in and it would be a huge fiasco for you. And then he gets a slap on the wrist with like a $15,000. Well, uh, Brian Moskowitz, as he normally does when they fall, you need to build them back up. That's the opportunity to, you know, to grab them and say, okay, what are we learning from this? How can we prepare better? What all of those things. So um, the, the head of the Olympic committee came out and made a statement about how mortified he was about that whole scenario, how they destroyed a 15 year old in, yeah. in front of, uh, but my last question before we go to huddle music, um, you know, to wake up music is, are the Olympics relevant? Uh, I think they are. Yes. They're relevant. The, the short answer is, is yes. They're the Olympics still. And like, there are times that I've watched the speed skating and been really into it. Does it grab me? Is it something that I'm pulled towards? No, not for me, but there are people who would. I mean, look, there's Olympic athletes doing it. So I think it's probably, I'd say the Summer Olympics more in the U.S. than the Winter Olympics. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, like if you lived in Canada, you're probably way more fired up about the Winter Olympics than anybody else. Get me some music so that we can get this party started. So it's like, like, like an old home week, man. Joni Knight is back. Dave Stavali's back. Um, AT, uh, Andrea hadn't been here in a while. Crazy. Good to see everybody back here. Um, let's get rolling because we have a supercharged show. You'll know what I mean by that. Today is National Battery Day. So in the 1800s, there was an Italian scientist, Alessandro Volta, who layered silver cloth paper soaked in salt and acid and zinc and called it Voltec piles. And Voltec piles now became what we now know as a battery. And what's the essence of a battery is that it is rechargeable. So, you know, we talk about voltage and um, I think it's a relevant point to look at our bodies as operating like batteries and you need to figure out how to unplug and recharge. <laughs> you know, it's like every machine that we work with, if you shut it down and start it over, boom, it, it bounces back. Why don't we do that for ourselves? Well, I think it's the other thing is being self-aware enough to know what recharges your batteries. Right. And it's not necessarily stopping everything that you're doing and sitting on the couch and watching TV for a whole weekend a lot of times that will drain you and leave you coming back less invigorated. 
what are the things, what are the inputs? And we've talked about this countless times when we talk about mindsets. What is your charge? What's your plug? What is the thing that brings energy back into your life? I know for me, it's family. It's spending time around family. It's casual time around family. It's time away from work where I'm with people still, still doing, but like the holidays recharged me. Like it was a lot. We had everybody at the house and we were doing the whole thing, but that excites me. That gives me more energy to go do the things that I need to do. Um, so you got to know, you got to be self-aware enough to know what are the inputs that really bring energy back to you. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of people buy energy. Energy is contagious. If you don't have energy, that pushes people away. When you do have energy, energy attracts. And so on National Battery Day, think about what recharges you, write it down, put it into practice. Um, but we, you know, thank Alessandro Volta. And today, <laughs> uh, later on in the show, we will be celebrating another Volta, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't wait for that segue. You couldn't wait for that segue. <laughs> John Travolta. We will get to that. But in the, <laughs> this is the interim. In the interim. Um, it is also National Thumb Day. <laughs> so I want to know who spent the time to say it's National Thumb Day and what, what is it about the thumb that we want to celebrate? <laughs> Can they, okay. I mean, it is important. It's, it is a thing that separates us from like okay. other animals. Part of our body we oftentimes don't think much about, even take for granted. The thumb, it's meant to be a day that we show appreciation for this thing. So here's five things you didn't know about the thumb. Okay. The polex, the medical Latin word for thumb is polex. Didn't know it. Did not know that. Um, number two, the swollen one. The word thumb is believed to have come from the Proto-Indian European term tum, meaning to swell, which makes the thumb the swollen one. The swollen finger? <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to touch that one because there were so many horrible ways that we could oh take Oh, my back. God. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, here's an unbelievable one. Thumbs have their own pulse. Yeah, for sure. Just <laughs> slam your thumb in a door and then feel how bad it pulses. Okay, this one's crazy. So toes can become thumbs. <laughs> yeah. According to medical practitioners, thumbs can be rebuilt from any of the patient's big toes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there is like a, there's like a toe thumb, like certain thumbs are like short and stubby and they look like toes. And there is a toe thumb term. I love Eric Ross's comment, who is thumb, who is two thumbs and likes the daily huddle. This guy, but so here's something you didn't know about thumbs. I cannot give two thumbs up. I can only give one and a half thumbs up. <laughs> Never in the history of my life, well, it's not true. since I was 17, have I been able to give something two thumbs up because I had my ligaments torn in my thumb when I was playing high school football, and that's the way that healed. One and a half thumbs is what you get on this show. So... It dates back to 1927 when they thumbs up meant positive. The use of thumbs up to mean something positive in the modern era is 
you know, comes from the British. They started doing it. So today I want to celebrate the thumbs up and all of the different ways you've seen it in a movie. Shay, show me the video. hitchhiking thumb up so it's something it's one way that i didn't think about using it is the hitchhiking so are you going my way but the number one use of it is on facebook and all of the emojis the like do you like something you know so um no top gun what kind of great thumbs up and top gun <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Jimbo. That's Good job, Jim. That's it was, it was coming, but in, in that montage, it was a little bit more towards the end. We had to cut it down a little bit. Good pull. So when it's National Thumbs Day, it motivates us to do music about thumbs. Show me motivational music. <laughs> Father is a son who has a mother. The mother has a daughter who gets married to the brother of a mother. And they all just trying to multiply with one another. Cause that's just the way of the world. It never ends till the end and you start again. That's just the way of the world. That's just the way of the world. Someone in the world, they think they're working for themselves. They get up and The very same, and so they keep on twiddling them thumbs, skiddly dead thumbs. They're gonna keep on twiddling them thumbs, skiddly dead thumb thumbs. And so they keep on twiddling them thumbs, skiddly dead thumbs. They're gonna keep on twiddling them thumbs, skiddly dead thumb thumbs. So when was the last time you heard somebody say twiddling your thumbs? Twiddling your thumbs. The great and the power of YouTube again, right? Like you were like, it's thumbs up day. Let me find something about <laughs> So, you know, when people say like, how do you produce the show? It's actually fun. Yeah. You know, there's so much other stuff. Like I was already on 
Today was the day that Huckleberry Finn was published. So there were lessons you can learn from Huckleberry Finn, but it was boring. It did not make the cut, you know? Thumbs up it is. Thumbs up it is, baby. You know, so um, so I love that. So to end the show today and and to talk about failure, which we talked about in the beginning, we're gonna talk about John Travolta. It's John Travolta's birthday. Um, he is uh, was born in 1954. He's had an unbelievable career. Um, when he was 23, he did Saturday Night Fever. I wow. mean, imagine that. At 23, he was Tony Manero. He's done some amazing movies when you think about it. But he started as a TV guy. Welcome back, Cotter. Mm-hmm. Um, Grease, Face Off, Carrie, Pulp Fiction was his comeback movie. He was basically done. His career was baked, but he did Gotti, Wild Hogs, Look Who's Talking. So he's done comedy. He's done everything else. Um, so I put together, I found this um, montage so montage that I thought you guys might find interesting to show you this, the, the depth of where we can take John Travolta. Vincent, I'm on the intercom. I know when that hotline blinks. Feeders into your Nazi boss. Hilarious. So I that's so that GIF is my favorite GIF to send yeah. to somebody who has not responded to me. What are you doing? Like, like, we were in a conversation and now we're not. What's happening here? <laughs> so thank you, John Travolta, because that particular scene, to your point, is being showed over and over and over in a funny, I mean, you know, you could go to any situation like confused, you know, yeah. like you know, which is which What's is happening here. awesome. The point of it, and what I want to bring to the table is, is that um, uh, he knew both success and failure. We talked about this. We talk about this religiously. Um, he, like I said, at 23, was really wow. successful. Top of the, you know, anything you want to hit that and Greece put him everywhere. <sighs> then he takes a slide. Quentin Tarantino puts him in a role that was not originally intended for him. They had talked about all the people that tried out for that role, and then he gave it to Travolta, which was his big comeback. And so um, he says, 
he did things the wrong way that for him success came first and then failure. That's not the way it generally sure. happens for people. So there was a story that I found. I did the research of um, he was walking into a deli and he saw Jerry Zucker and a couple of other directors hanging out. And he said, guys, what you have to realize is that even though you feel the world is falling down around you, nobody else is paying attention to it except you. Yeah. You've, you tend to think, oh, my God, I failed now, unless it's on TV and everybody <laughs> thought, you know, like when Bill Buckner went, it went through his legs, you know, you're the only one for whom success matters. So you're the only one who is obsessed with what you call failure. So, you know, to everyone else, it's really just a blip on the radar, by the way. Um, then he said to them, he goes, anybody want pie? <laughs> so, um, so all I of love us, that mindset. I love that. Mindset. All of us deal with failure. When you look at the body of work and I try and tell this to people, when you lose a deal, something you expect to happen to you, and then it goes away at that moment, it's devastating. But if you think a month or six months down the road, it's gone. And so if you understand at the beginning, the rules are that you will fail. We talked about Michael Jordan yesterday. How many times did he fail? Yet he couldn't beat the Detroit Pistons. Couldn't happen. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Failed and failed and failed until he won. He got over the bridge. He learned. And so I thought it was an important thing you know, on his birthday to celebrate the fact that he has lived high and he has lived low. And uh, it's actually called Travolta's Law. How about that? Is it really? It is. It that is. is really cool. That's, he is uh, known in Hollywood for Travolta's Law because he had the best mindset about, I didn't do anything different when I got Saturday Night Fever to when I didn't get the next movie. You know, he was doing the same things Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, you know, that failure. And there is who I was talking about this morning. Welcome, Anna. Uh, thank you for a wonderful uh, coffee yesterday. It really was enjoyable. I watched another one of Coach Saban's speeches that he gave recently to a group of business professionals. And it happened a couple times throughout the day yesterday, but the mindset just kept coming back. And it's what he said. He goes, look, I could get up here and I could talk to you all about process and i can talk to you all about how we coach our players and what we do but at the end of the day it comes back to do you have the people in the organization thinking the way they need to think because if they're not thinking the way they need to think then none of the other stuff matters and it's what we That's you know we talked about it yesterday with mcveigh and and coaching for capacity it is 1000 percent about mindset it's the fundamental that leads to success anywhere else you don't have your mind right. You got nothing else right. And, you know, the big paradigm shift is that selling is dead. If you wake up every day trying to sell something, you're going to really, really have a hard time. You know, really difficult. You get up every day trying to build quality relationships. They will take care of you today, tomorrow and forever. So quit twiddling your thumbs get <laughs> off your ass and get down to business. Make it a great, great weekend. Remember. TGIS. The grind includes Saturday and Sunday. We'll all be out at Polo on Sunday, dressed up with the fine folks. Thumbs up. <laughs> up, man. We'll see you Monday morning. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. My friends keep telling me to leave this. So
Let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a 